0: I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator
1: of heaven and
0: earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord,
1: who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified,
0: dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead.
1: I believe in the Holy Spirit.
0: The Holy Catholic Church.
1: The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. And the life everlasting. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes first from Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead... Of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And then from John 14, verses 15 through 23. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And finally, from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is God's word.
0: Thanks Susan. Morning all. Uh, Excuse me, has anybody missed Drew yet? You will by the end of the month because it's me all month. Um, So make your arrangements accordingly. If you haven't taken vacation, August might be the time. It's when a lot of uh, well, it's when all the UK schools are out, so go over there and enjoy vacation with them. Uh, no, in all seriousness, we're coming to the end uh, the last few weeks. Uh, we'll take the, the rest of the month of August to finish our series on the Apostles' Creed. Uh, do continue, speaking of Drew, to pray for him uh, and his family, and uh, that this sabbatical, this time away continues to be fruitful for him. Uh, we had a chance to chat this last week, he and uh, myself and a few of us on staff, and uh God's answering that prayer. Uh, It is fruitful uh, in many ways for him thus far. So continue to pray for him in that. Um, As we come to the third and final section of the creed, uh, we are into this last bit. I believe in the Holy Spirit, uh, and I believe in uh, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, and so forth. Uh, And and that's that's what the next few weeks are going to be for us. Uh, I want to take the opportunity again to remind you or just review with you uh, that the creed is Trinitarian, and if you're here and you're not a Christian or you're new to Christianity, the Trinity is what we call God in three persons. We believe, the Christian uh, faith does, that God exists in three persons, not three gods, not three separate gods, but one God in three persons. I don't really understand how it all works, Uh, and they gave me a master's degree So, good luck with that. Uh, The church fathers, many, many hundreds of years ago, tried to make sense of it for the purpose of fighting heresy in the church and giving us categories to work with, Uh, and so those categories continue to be helpful for us, but the the Apostles' Creed really does highlight the work of the Father, that's what we did the first few weeks, the work of the Son, that's what we did the next few weeks, and now the work of uh, the Holy Spirit, And the implications of the reality that God is Trinity are endless. Here's just a few of them. Uh, God exists as a community of persons from all eternity. Therefore, being alone is not okay, it's not good, it's not how we were designed to be because that's not how God has been from all eternity. Uh, There's an interdependence, and and there's a self-giving love in and among them. We've been reading John in community Bible reading, uh, and you get, for whatever reason, you get this wonderful insight out of the mouth of Jesus into the life of the Trinity. Uh, it's very mysterious. Some of it we read, uh, or, or Susan read just a minute ago, and then we read on Friday. And I'm going to highlight some of that because I think it's helpful to understanding uh, the, the, uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. And this was pointed out to me this week, and I thought it was interesting. I wanted to share it with you. Every person is committed to introducing you to the other person for all eternity. Every person of the Trinity is committed to introducing you to the other person or persons for all eternity. None of them are thinking of themselves. So the Father wants to introduce you to the Son. That's why he gave us the Son. And the Son is concerned to introduce us to the Holy Spirit, which is why he left. More on that uh, to come. So the creed really begins with... The Father's creating work, it moves to the Son's rescuing work, and then it finishes with the Holy Spirit's recreating work. And so some of those things the next few weeks will be new community, new relationship, forgiveness, new existence, resurrection of the body, and fulfillment of a new world, and all of it's being carried out by him, okay? Uh, So we're going to start today with the Spirit under the three headings. You see them there on your insert in your worship folder, God the Holy Spirit, number two, uh, our spiritual problem. We we have a, a big problem with the spirit and the spiritual. And then finally, uh, the spirit of Jesus, okay? So we're going to take it in those three or under those three headings. First, with God the Holy Spirit. Why is he so mysterious? Why is it hard to grasp that he's a person? And really honing in on, on the back of or on the other side of your insert, uh, the passage from John 14. So we're going to take... I'm going to highlight things in in each of these passages so it's helpful for you to have. Sorry that you have to flip back and forth, but um, helpful to have those in front of you as well. Uh, The story is told about uh, the Trinity discussing, uh, I guess it must have been at the beginning of the summer, their vacation plans for the uh, the year. And so as they're discussing their vacation plans, the Father says, you know, I'm going to go to the mountains because uh, they reflect my majesty and my power, and they're relaxing. I just like to go there. And the son says, uh, well, I'm going to go to Palestine. It's my old stomping grounds. I enjoyed, enjoyed just roaming around, and it brings back a lot of fond and not so fond memories for me. Uh, and they said, uh, Holy Spirit, where, where are you going to go? He said, well, I think I'm going to go to a Presbyterian church because I've never been there before. And uh, and that is that is the joke uh, among us that we, as Presbyterians, some of you who aren't members are thinking I'm not Presbyterian. Well, you might want to might want to reconsider if you're thinking about becoming one. But if you go back and you read uh, uh, Presbyterian theologians or Bible scholars over the course of history, it's interesting. They uh, I have one book in my office. I tried to get to it this week, uh, it wasn't to be had, but it's about 500, well, 400 pages on the Holy Spirit that this guy wrote, reflecting on his work, who he is. I mean, beautiful, beautiful, marvelous things. Uh, and so, hopefully, uh, if you've forgotten about him, uh, th- this, this sermon will be helpful to you, uh, but my other advice to you is hang out with Bob. Uh, because Bob knows the Holy Spirit, he talks to him regularly, uh, and and you will learn a lot about him just by hanging around and being with with Bob. The Holy Spirit's a person, so let me be clear: we're not describing the force, okay, uh, or some sort of cosmic energy you tap into by posturing yourself according to a strict regimen, you know, like the Jedi's. Uh, it's, it's not that. And growing up, the tradition I grew up in referred to him as the Holy Ghost. Well, that certainly didn't help me, right? Uh, <laughs> is this Casper's dad? Who is this, right? Who are we talking about? Uh, we're not talking about that, okay? That's Eastern mysticism. That's why George Lucas talks about it the way he does and wrote that the way he did in those movies. We're not talk- that's not Christianity, Jesus describes the Spirit in John 14 with pronouns, right? Susan read them, he, him, not it. In fact, in the Bible, he can be grieved, he can be outraged, he can be quenched, he loves, he helps, he speaks. Sounds like a person, doesn't it? Now, uh, what would you think if I was referring to a conversation or a relationship in my life, my, my life this way? I, I said to you, yesterday, I was talking to the Jamie and we were discussing how the Ellie is uh, going to be a senior, and she's, she's uh, you know, man, we're going to miss her. It's, 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 it's going to be hard. And then the Ethan walked in and was talking about something else. What would you think if I talked like that about the people in my life? That's a little weird, right? Uh, so I have a friend who, out of conviction of that, has stopped referring to him as the Holy Spirit. When talking about him, he simply says, what is Holy Spirit saying to you? Or, or, or in your relationship with Holy Spirit, how does, and it's just a simple way to remind him he's talking about a person. Now, yes, the creed refers to him as the, Jesus refers to him with the, with the article the, so I'm not saying eradicate it from your vocabulary, right? We might have a, uh, we might have a, in our house, a little debate going on regarding that, or not, at the moment, uh, even as we were reciting the creed. The, see it says the, because I refer to him as Holy Spirit a lot and it might drive the Jamie crazy. <laughs> so I'm not suggesting you have to do that, but I think it's important. It's helpful. Uh, my friend has, my, my, my friend in doing that has helped me remind me he's a person, but not only that, God's spirit is him, okay? Listen, I, I thought this was helpful. It is him extending himself in active engagement with his creation in a personal way. He's a person, so he behaves in a personal way. The activity of the Holy Spirit is precisely that of extending God's presence into creation in such a way as to order and complete what he's planned all along. So in salvation, the Father plans, the Son sacrifices, the Spirit applies. Look at John 14, okay? Uh, you'll see it there in your worship folder. Verse 16 and 17. I'm going to read them again. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay? Now, this is unbelievable, so hang with me. Uh, uh, well admittedly, I, I really, I feel like I have to have three points. So the second point is just kind of, I mean, I hope it's helpful in some ways, but eh. the first point and the third point are the ones I'm really excited about, okay? So just, just take note of that. If you're listening on the app, um, maybe you could fast forward to the second point even. I don't, <laughs> however you want to do that. Um, anyway, somebody pointed this out to me. Hang with me. I was so blown away. Look at, uh, at verse 16. Look carefully at verse 16. He says, I will give you another helper. And in the Greek, that word actually means just like the former or the previous one, not another one like a different one. Well, who's the former or the previous one? Well, who have the disciples been hanging out with for three years? Jesus Christ himself. So Jesus is confirming here that Holy Spirit bears all the same power, the same authority, the same nature, and the same mission as the Father and the Son too. Okay, so it's why Jesus says, it's good news for us that he goes away. In verse 18, he says what? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Well, how? Through the Spirit. In fact, he says to his disciples and to us, I'm going to be more present with you when I go away than I was when I was here on earth. Well, how in the world does that happen? Well, because, you see, when Jesus walked on earth, he merely stood by his disciples, there was only one of him, okay? But now, in the Spirit, he will live inside his disciples, all of them, not just 12 anymore. How many are there? Billions, right? Now, read a little further on to verse 23, the last verse that Susan read there. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we, plural, we, we, we'll do what? We will come and live in him. We'll make our home inside of him or her. Okay? So if you're a Christian, God the Spirit is inside of you. How that works, I have no idea. But the good news is, and hopefully we'll get to some of this in just a minute, that has amazing impact on us, right? One writer has called him, the self-effacing spirit, meaning he's not in this for himself. He says, Jesus does in John 16, we read it on Friday in community Bible reading, that he, the Holy Spirit, will not speak on his own authority. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And earlier in that passage, Jesus says, all that the Father gave me, I'm now giving to you, and all, that the spirit, all that's mine, the Spirit's going to give to you too. So it It just works right down the line, so to speak. It's amazing. Uh, J.I. Packer describes him this way. He says, it's as if the Holy Spirit stands behind us and shines a floodlight over our shoulder onto Jesus so that it's Jesus we see, not him. He says, you, there he is, deal with him, right? Believe in him. And part of the challenge, to be sure, is that we understand, we understand what a father is. We understand a father's function. We know fathers. Many of us are fathers. We have fathers. Our minds can grasp the word and kind of the understanding that the word has. Same thing with son. What a son is, we know sons. We are sons. And we even get the relationship between a father and a son. Well, so far, so good. So it's when you bring in the Holy Spirit. Well, what's a spirit? Do you, do you know any? Uh, is there one you're particularly fond of? Uh, like one you occasionally take to lunch? You know, like your dad or your son or somebody else's dad or somebody else's son, you know. Uh, no. In fact, people that talk like that, we tend to put in rooms and we lock them. And then we have somebody with an MD or a PhD on whatever floor that is right over there. Take care of them, okay? Because we're uncomfortable. We don't understand it. We can't grasp it, make sense of it, and so we often end up forgetting him or minimizing him. And so that joke I told at the front, that's me, right? I can tell that joke about being a Presbyterian because, yes, he struggles to get in the door, the door of my heart, that is, right? And that's where I get caught because the culture... And the impact of certain cultural forces have captured me. And that leads me to the second pro—the second point, our problem. What's, what's, what's underneath our unbelief about why we don't ask for him? Okay, look at uh, Luke 11. Uh, Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. He says, what father among you, if his son ask for a fish... Will instead of a fish give him a, a serpent? or if he asks for an egg, something to nourish him, we'll give him a scorpion. If you know how to give good gifts, if you know how to take care of your kids, how much more do you think your Father in heaven knows how to take care of you? I- implied is, what you need the most is the Holy Spirit to connect you to him, That is, to the Father. Into the Son. So, why don't we ask for Him? Why aren't we constantly talking to our Father in heaven? Why aren't we constantly saying, Spirit, help me, Spirit, help me, Spirit, help me? Right? Children ask all the time. No matter their age, by the way. Okay? Those of you who are empty nesters or have kids in college or even kids who are grown now and have their own children, somehow they still manage to make their way back to you and ask you for things, right? I know I, I know I do. Just asked my dad for something this last week. And I'm uh, about to be 40. It doesn't change. Parents and children. Children know who to ask and who to go to. But we have a spiritual problem because we struggle to believe the spiritual world is real. Well, why is that? Well, I want to give you just, again, this is pretty short and it's, and it's brief, but I, I think it gets underneath some of what, why this is such a struggle for us. A few hundred years ago, There's a movement in Europe called the Enlightenment. Some of you have heard of it or may be familiar with what I'm talking about, but it impacted Western culture in very profound ways all the way up to today. What happened was leading thinkers uh, divided the world into facts and feelings. The factual world, that's made up of things that are public and real, that are true for everyone, trees, cars, computers, laws of physics, and so forth. Then there's the feeling world, right? And that's made up of things that are private and personal, like prayer and religion, opinions, beauty, right and wrong, etc, etc, etc. Now over time, this mindset has infiltrated everyone, even to a certain degree Christians, and it's why prayer can feel weird and even feel sort of phony, right? Uh, so if you've been to or uh, I highly encourage you at, at some point to get to go to a praying life seminar, well, sorry, Bob. Let the cat out of the bag. But the beginning of the seminar, uh, they they literally give you five minutes, and he, he sets a timer on five minutes. And he's like, "Hey, just take the next just take the next few minutes and, and pray." And he you don't know that it's five minutes, but he gives you five minutes, and then they ask you for you know what was that like afterward? And some people are like, "That was hell. That was awful, right?" Some people are like, "I fell asleep." Some people are like, "My mind started drifting." Some people who are super spiritual are like, oh, such a It's just amazing experience of the spirit, right? That's like one out of every 10,000, right, Bob? So the, the problem is the enlightenment mindset marginalizes prayer because it doesn't permit God to connect with this world, because you've got the world of facts and feelings. And in fact, one uh, famous philosopher uh, put them in like spheres, and he, the, the, this one is up here. It's like the upper world, and then we live down here in the lower world. And this one never gets down to this one, and this one never goes up to this one. And so, man, prayer can end up feeling phony or superstitious. And if religion is defined as not real, then part of the separate realm or opinion or feeling, but certainly not fact, is that talking to God is a waste of time. So why would you ask for the Holy Spirit, right? You'd read Jesus' words and go, eh, right? We don't ask because we've got things pretty well under control and our life is, on the whole, not too bad. Neediness isn't really in our vocabulary. Most of our problems are, are solvable. We don't necessarily need another helper. We didn't really need a helper in the first place. We're pretty good. Or we don't ask because there's no hope. We've given over to cynicism about the world and people and life. Nothing will change. It's all broken. It's all out of control. Our problems are too far gone to even attempt to solve. And so Western secularism, founded on the Enlightenment, along with communism, uh, of course, is the oddest culture in the history of the world. Do you realize that? The only culture in the history of the world where we have dismissed God and prayer to the private realm. We are odd even in the world today. Look at countries and cultures not impacted by the Enlightenment. You'll see what I'm talking about. Even the Japanese emperor prays at shrines to the spirits of Japanese soldiers killed in World War II. He does it publicly. He does it in front of reporters and cameras. It's not weird to the Japanese people or to him. But to us, our culture is experiencing a, a systematic Get that out of here, right? We don't want that in the public realm or sphere. It's seen as weird and odd and not real. So if you enter into all that Christianity and the Apostles' Creed, being able to say with all your heart, I believe in the Holy Spirit, God actively engaged in his creation in a personal way, think about that. God actively engaged in his creation in a personal way. And so the significance for us becomes what spirit we're talking about. Yes, the Holy Spirit, but he's more than that, and that's where I want to finish, is on he's the spirit of Jesus. And if you look at the assurance of pardon, uh, I'm going to park there as well as uh, on a couple of those other passages, but I want to read to you a quote. Again, from uh, J.I. Packer. Very, very helpful. I had never thought through this this way. Maybe you have, so, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But th- this was sort of like, oh, my goodness. He says this The Spirit shows Jesus to us through the gospel. The Spirit unites us to Jesus by faith. Then He indwells us to change us into His image, His being Jesus' image, by causing the fruit of the Spirit. To grow in us, and man, I just thought, gosh, that puts it all together, right? He, 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 uh, he shows Jesus to us through the gospel. That's that floodlight thing I was talking about earlier. He unites us to Him by faith. He indwells us, then, to change us into Him by causing His fruit to grow in us. Now we just sang the words: "Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ." The son. That's the gospel. You see, in the father's arm was a sword. This goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And if you came to the altar into his presence by yourself, the sword would fall on you because of your sin, because of your uncleanness, because of your rebellion. But forgiveness was bought with the blood of the son who willingly went into the father's presence as us, made himself sin so that the sword would fall on him. And now the father's arms are what? Open, wide, no sword. And here's where Holy Spirit comes in. He applies that work to your heart. He makes it beautiful, wonderful, believable. He takes the words that come out of us or whoever's praying or the songs that we sing or what have you in corporate worship as well as just in reading the Bible. I mean, if, if you want to hear from God, people seem to want to want to hear from God. I want to know God's will for my life. Open, the Bible. I'm sorry to say that kind of sarcastically, but, you know, sometimes it gets a little frustrating. Just open it. It's right there. He's talking to you, right? The The Spirit applies that work. He enables your heart to sing and live out of it. And you then get united to Jesus by faith, but that's not it. He's not done. If you look at the references at the bottom of the insert. They are from Galatians 5 and 2 Corinthians 3. It, it's, he, he's, he's making you into his image to bear his fruit. It's not just that he unites you to Jesus. It's, it, it's not only because of Jesus that we come to know the spirit more fully. It's actually and only in Jesus that we come to know the spirit. He declines to reveal himself in any other way except through Jesus Christ himself. The Holy Spirit was Jesus' inseparable companion. All of his activity was unfolded in the presence of the Spirit, from the womb to the tomb to the throne. The Spirit was the constant companion of the Son, and you get a little insight into that as we've been reading in the Gospel of John. And as a result, when he comes to Christians to indwell them, he comes as the Spirit of Christ in such a way that to possess him is to possess Christ himself as to not have him is to not have Christ. And if you look in your worship folder at the assurance of pardon, uh, you notice Paul uses interchangeably the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of adoption, he says a little bit later. He seems to call him all these different things. And he can use them all interchangeably because the Holy Spirit is all of those things. So, Uh, I mean, some of the things that he says are, are, are really, really amazing. Dwelling in you, the Holy Spirit enables you to kill the sin fighting against the new life that's growing and expanding in you. That's what Paul says in verse 13, right? I had it marked, sorry. Let me go back to it. In 13, he says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Not only that, but Paul says every Christian's assurance that they are, in fact, a Christian, comes from who? Comes from the Holy Spirit. Because if you look at verse 16, he says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so when you sin, listen, when you sin, when you're caught in unbelief, who immediately jumps into your brain the accuser, right? If you're a Christian, he accuses you. He tries to dupe you into believing you're so bad, you're not good enough. God doesn't love you. Are you. You think you're a Christian after you did that? But the Holy Spirit's job is to come in to prod you, to even argue with you. He argues with your heart until you remember these words. No, you say to him, I've received the spirit of adoption. I'm a son. I can get to call the God of the universe Daddy. That's true no matter your failures, the Holy Spirit says to you. He is on a mission to remake you into the very image of Jesus. His fruits are actually the very character of Jesus himself in you. So the, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, joy peace patience now no human being reads that list and goes yeah you know I don't that's whatever I'm not really into that what would it be like if everybody in your life lived and and was was characterized by that list just ask any human being that question and read those character qualities to them of course they're going to say that sounds yeah that'd be great be awesome I'd love that for myself but yeah I'll take that for everybody around me too That's the very character of Jesus himself in you. That's the promise that Holy Spirit is doing in you to remake you. That's part of him indwelling you, right? He's helping you to become a helper. I love that. He's helping you to become a helper. He was given to you as a helper. Now the helper is helping you become a helper. What if... What if our our daily prayer was nothing more than this? Holy Spirit, please help me to be helpful to other people, to to point them to Jesus as you do for me, right, to glorify him through my words and my actions. The self-effacing spirit, he's not in it. He's not in this for him. He's in this for the Son and the Father. And indwelling you, he can make you like that too, can you see why Jesus had to go? Can you see why he would say, it's to your advantage that I leave? Those guys heard that and they were, they were heartbroken. They couldn't believe it. But he says, listen, there was only one of him 2,000 years ago. There was only one Jesus 2,000 years ago. It can only be at one place at one time, right? One, one human being, God in the flesh. But now because of Holy Spirit's work, do you know how many Jesuses there are in the world? Millions and millions and millions walking around. He's filling the earth with his, with his image because that's what kings do. They fill the earth with their images. You, you, all the statues in North Korea, you know who they're of? It, all of Kim Jong-il and Un's and all those guys' family members because they want to fill up the land with their image so that all their people know that's the boss. That's the Lord, that's the king, that's the ruler. Jesus Christ is filling and has and continues to fill the world with his image and through the Holy Spirit living in his people, making those people into him, he's actually filling the world with himself. What an amazing God we serve. I'll finish with this statement. The Holy Spirit enables those who follow Jesus to take into all the world This is a great prayer point for us. He enables all who follow Jesus to take into the world the news that he is Lord, that he has won the victory over the forces of evil, that a new world has opened up, and that we are to help the helper make it happen. So pray with me that he would do that uh, as we come to the table this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for loving the world so much that you would send your son uh, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Uh, Thank you for loving the world so much that you gave your son, that he would give himself. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for going away, but for not leaving us as orphans. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to live inside of us for when we place our faith in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and in him himself, you unite us to him and then you make us into him. Thank you for that. Would you enable us to do just that in our city, first in our families, uh, in our community groups, in our places where we live, work, and play, and ultimately to the ends of the earth, that you might be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for sticking with us this morning, I know it's a little longer than normal, but uh, communion and all of that, thanks Margaret for sharing with us. Uh, We have always said we want a great city, not just a great church. If you were in the core group, you remember that being said over and over and over again some eight years ago, nine years ago, even now, Uh, and one of the ways we do that is by opening our door and welcoming other people into our room who might be used to a different part of the house. It's the same house, right? Uh, And so be grateful that we can have someone come and share with us how we've impacted them and continue to pray that more and more and more opportunities like that would be had. We'd have more and more testimonies just like that one for years to come. Uh, And I think one of the ways we can do that is by continuing to laugh at ourselves, you know, like, Holy Spirit, didn't, he, he, he didn't ever, he's never been here because he's Presbyterian. <laughs> you know, being able to laugh at yourself goes a long way, not taking yourself so seriously. So may the Holy Spirit seal these words as I lift my hands over you to declare a blessing to you, uh, to send you on your way with him, indwelling you, if you're in Christ, to whatever work he's called you to do. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. Go in his peace.